good. Justice. Justice is a word that we hear a lot. Hear the word, the phrase social justice, justice in society, justice here, justice there. What, what is the word, and this is very important, what does the word justice mean? Justice in the, in the breaking down of the very simplistic definition, it's what's fair. It's, it's what's right. When, when you get justice, you don't get extra ice cream with your cake. You get what you deserve. Justice can be a good sense. You're rewarded, as we'll see in a moment. Justice can be in a bad sense. You're punished. Justice is not getting anything extra, and it's not getting anything more that, that you shouldn't be getting. Justice is simply fairness. And we live in a world where we don't see justice a lot. In Washington, D.C., I don't really feel like it's about justice. It's about politics. And sadly, a lot of times in our school systems or in sports, it's it's not as much about what's fair as it's about who your mama or who your daddy is or how much money you have. It, you know, sometimes those things get convoluted. And and I believe America's got the, the best legal justice system in the country. But a lot of times if you follow big legal cases, it doesn't seem as much as justice happens as we have a legal system. The writer Robert Frost said years ago, a jury is 12 people who get to make the decision on who had the best lawyer. There is some truth to that. But we are in 2 Corinthians 5.10 this morning. Now, we're going to talk about justice today. We're going to talk about judgment today. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you, this is going to, we're going to start with cabbage but we're going to end with ice cream if you do the right thing. So bear with me. You can't, you can't read through and teach through the Bible without coming to some hard things. But hard things are always meant to bring us to a really positive response. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we're in our last of our sermon series on a radically different look and a radically li- different look at judgment. I want to begin with this, and this is the big heart of the message. We're going to all stand before the judgment of God. We're going to all stand before God to be judged. You are, I am, we all, all of us are. In verse 10, a very powerful verse, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Jamie, leave that verse on the screen for a moment. It begins and says, we must That word must in your Bibles means it's an absolute necessity. Listen to this. What God is going to show us this morning, this is unavoidable. You can't bribe your way out of it. You can't talk your way out of it. This is going to happen. We must all. When the word all appears in the New Testament, sometimes people get weird about what all means. All, almost every time in the Bible, means all. When it says that all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it means that you will and I will. Now, some people say, does this mean Christians? Absolutely. Some scholars divide the judgments and say we have two or three or four different judgments. And uh, if you're taking notes in Revelation 20, which I will refer to in a moment, it's the great white throne of judgment. Some people say that this is the judgment seat of Christ for Christians and Revelation 20 is for non-believers. I don't necessarily buy into all those divisions. And my purpose this morning is not to try to explain or, or unex, you know, do away with the idea of multiple judgments. The, the thing that you need to get from the Bible this morning that is personally so important to you and me is that we will all stand before God. We, we all will. This certainly Christians will and non-Christians, and we'll try to discern the difference there, but, but we all must. We all must appear. 
Now, that word appear in your Bibles, we must all appear. That is a, a, a strong word. It means we will be manifest before God. We will be shown for who we are. When we appear before God, it's not just like, oh, shucks, here's God at the throne. How you doing, Lord? Good to see you. Let me on in heaven. You know I deserve all the good things coming to me. When it says we will appear before God, it means we will stand before God. We will be manifest before God. We will be shown for who we are when we stand before God. And it says we will appear before the judgment seat. That phrase judgment seat is one Greek word. Remember the New Testament was written in Greek. It's the word bima. And the Bema was a, an important place in Greek cities. Corinth is a Greek city. God's writing to the church in Corinth through Paul. And the Bema was the judgment seat. They have actually excavated and found an ancient Bema in the city of Corinth that dated close to the time of Paul. It was seven feet five inches off the ground. So it's pretty high up in the air. And people in these cities knew that the Bema is where if you were in trouble, you would... You would go and stand before the beam, and you got a judge sitting or standing seven and a half feet in there. That's pretty authoritative looking at. You, you would go to the Bema to be judged, but it was also a place when people would make public speeches they would go to. And in a positive sense, in athletic events, when, when you had the winner of the games, they would come to the Bema to receive probably in this day a wreath or something like that. So the Bema was positive too. But they understood what the Bema was. It was a place where people were rewarded or they were, they were punished. It was a, an important place in this society. And God tells them, as he tells you and me 2,000 years later in Ruston or by watching on the Internet, wherever you may be watching from, that all of us will appear before the Bema of God, the Bema of Christ. We will stand before God. In England many years ago, there was a judge who was known as the sleeping judge. I don't know if he was on a lifetime appointment or what, but he was infamous for falling asleep during trials. And as he got older, it got worse. And so corrupt lawyers and, and, and dirty people being tried would take advantage of that. And they laughed about the sleeping judge. I want to tell you this morning, God's not going to be asleep when he's on the throne. God's not some old grandfather up there that's taking a nap right now. God is God is just as vibrant today as he's always been. And when I stand before God or you stand before God, he'll be alive and well and very attentive. Now, I want to tell here's some ice cream. Everything I'm fixing to tell you, if you've got a problem this morning, you can correct it. That's the great news. You have an opportunity this morning, no matter what your situation is, personally, spiritually, morally, ethically, you can turn it around, and the judgment seat of Christ can be a wonderful day in your life, or it can be a horrible day, but whose choice that is is yours. Let me tell you three things that will happen at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Number one, and this, was a, this is a great one. We will be rewarded for our good deeds and our good words. Now, I want to pause right now, and I want you to say amen, because you may not get to the rest of the sermon. Would you say amen? Amen. amen. You will be rewarded. How many of you like rewards? Absolutely you like rewards. If you're, if you're honest and you're mentally normal, you like getting rewards. You like being honored. Look what he says in verse 10. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether it's good or evil. We're talking about the good here. Remember, the Bema was a place the Olympic athlete came to receive their reward. It was a place where the judge could find you innocent or, or find in your favor. It was a positive thing. In Revelation 20, 
in verse 11 and 12, it talks about standing before God and the books are open. One of those is the book of life we'll see later. But it's plural. And I, th- I think there may be as many as three books. The book of life, the book of deeds, how we lived and what we did, and the Bible. And God may even let you pick your own translation. You're a King James person or an NIV, whatever your flavor is. God will let you pick your translation at the judgment. But I bet the Bible will be there. But God says here, the person who has done well will receive positive things. That, that word receive means to obtain and, and to carry off for the good that they have done. That biblical word good is a significant word. It means what's benevolent are useful, are profitable. The New Testament Greek was a very expressive language, is a very expressive language, and for our one word good, they had two different Greek words for good. One meant good in, in a moral, ethical sense, that you could be good, that you didn't do bad things necessarily, but not necessarily that you were nice. Now listen, I think that's a lot of church people. We don't do bad things, which is good, but we're not necessarily positively good. The word used here is is a moral and ethical goodness. We don't do bad things, but it's a, a goodness that's profitable and useful and helpful. You see, God wants you to be morally right and ethically right, but he wants your life to make a positive difference. And here's what he says. The judgment seat is coming, and, and you can you can go into it receiving and being rewarded for the life you lived well. I want to tell you this morning, some of you are discouraged or you get discouraged. I know I do. Listen, God's hearing your prayers. God sees you read your Bible. God sees you at church this morning. God sees you being faithful. God sees you witnessing to people. God sees you bringing people to Christ. He sees you giving and sharing of your things to people. The Bible says you don't give a cup of cold water to someone in the name of Jesus that he doesn't see it. He does. Isn't that wonderful? That is absolutely wonderful. All my life, I knew that God and Santa Claus saw my bad deeds. Isn't it good to know that God sees your good deeds too? And he's keeping score there also. Twenty. Three, four years ago, I went to go visit a lady in the hospital in Bryan, Texas. She was about 90. She was dying. In fact, I was doing her funeral a week later. Precious little lady. She'd always not had much money. Husband had been dead many years. She was probably living. Or she was living with some family at the time. She probably lived off 250 or $300 a month. And as I was leaving that day, she knew she wasn't going to be at church that Sunday. She was never going to be at church again. And she, with tears in her eyes, she gave me an envelope. She said, Chris, this is my offering envelope. I'm not going to be there Sunday. Please make sure that it gets to church. And she asked me that two or three times. And I thought, if you say that again, I'm going to step on your air hose. I didn't say that. I didn't even think that. But she was so insistent that I make sure that I get her money to church. And I have no idea how much you give. I don't have access to how much you give. But if you hand me an envelope or a dollar bill, I've got a decent idea what's in there. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. Fold it up, wad it, and hand it to me. I will not undo it. But she handed me an envelope. I could, it was $14, $15. She died a week later. And, you know, you think somebody giving, and, and I believe that was a tithe to 10% of her income. 
And somebody giving $15 to even to a small country church. Well, you know, what does that matter? I want to tell you, I bet when she walked into heaven a week later, Jesus Christ gave her a high five for her faithfulness to the very end. See, God's not, God's not keeping score of how much you give. God's, God's looking at the sacrifice that you give. Some of you are saying, when I get out of college or when I get more money or I get out of debt, I'll start being faithful. To get. You start being faithful and doing it right now. That's the standard that God's judging you by. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37, these are negative, but they can be positive too. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let's look at the justified here this morning. I, I, I want to tell you today, listen. You encourage people, you build people up, you send them an email, you write them a card, you tell them you love them, you tell them you're praying for them and you're praying for them. God's hearing everything that you say that's uplifting and helps people. And God's going to honor you for that someday. Some of us pass out compliments like they're $100 bills. We just don't want to do it. People may not pat you on the back a lot for encouraging them, but you're blessing their life. And I want to tell you, God's keeping score of your positive words. Whatever you're doing and you're trying to do right, you work in the nursery, you pass out bulletins, you serve teaching a a, a little kid's Sunday school class, and you don't get much glory and honor, I want to tell you, God's keeping score. And God's going to reward you someday when you stand before him. And folks, listen, this is not a everybody gets a trophy deal. Are you with me? It's not, it's not at all. This is not participation. This is for you being faithful and following God. And God is going to reward you and honor you for that someday. Is that not wonderful? That ought to motivate you and encourage you. If that doesn't, this will. We're going to give an account. We'll answer for our sinful deeds and words. I tried to give you some ice cream with the truth of the reward, but here's the flip side of this. We're going to answer and pay for our sinful deeds and words. This include the Christian? Absolutely. In verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The context of this verse, unmistakably, God through Paul is talking to believers. I think by the word all, he's talking to everybody. I've heard people say, well, Christians, Christians will stand before God. They're not going to have to give an account for anything. It's just going to be all ice cream and cake. That's not what this passage says. You, you can get on the Internet or you can read or listen to somebody and you, you can hear anything you want to hear. It's better to take the Bible for what it says, that we will appear. We will be made known for our lives. And he says you will give account not only for your good, you'll be rewarded, or for your evil. That word evil there, bad, means evil. It means worthless. It means the things we've said or done that are of no account. It means to retire or to pull back. See, that's what a lot of Christians have done. We may not be being evil. We've just pulled back from God. We pulled back from serving, pulled back from giving, pulled back from being who we used to be. God says there will be a reckoning for that someday. If you're still not convinced that this applies to Christians, I want to read to you one more passage. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13 through 15. 
each one's work will become manifest, made known for the day. The judgment day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done, good or bad. If that work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, that's the good deeds, he receives a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but as only through fire. One of my precious friends named Big Ed, Big Ed Rabin in Texas, he's in heaven today. He used to tell me about this passage. He said a lot of Christians are going to be saved, but they're going to smell like smoke when they're going into heaven. Listen, I don't know how this plays out. I I can't explain to you how this is a truth, but it is a truth. The Bible says if you're a Christian, greatest thing ever, you're going to heaven. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But I don't understand how that we're going to stand before God, and we may get spanked before we get in, but I accept what the Bible says on this, and this is the truth. This is the truth of what it says. So here's the challenge today for you and me, or the thing I think maybe we need to know and we need to dig into deeply how are, you, how are we living? Let's go back to the words thing, Matthew twelve thirty six. It says, I tell you on that day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they have spoken. You a gossip, slanderer, liar. God's keeping score. See, either with our tongues, we can build people up or we can impel them. I know people who are cowards who would never want to physically attack somebody, and that's a good thing, but, boy, they'll destroy you with their mouths. And it's gotten worse with a lot of social media where you don't have to put your name on something. God's, God's keeping score. How are you living? Christian, I, I would ask you, what's your excuse for not praying, not reading your Bible? work in church when it's convenient or there's not the other things going on. I, I can't tithe. I just don't have money, but I can take eight vacations a year. Hmm. How do you think that's going to flesh out someday when you stand before God? And, and here's a really scary thing. Is I think people in rusted Louisiana and in America and in the Bible Belt, we're going to be held to a higher standard than anybody else. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, listen to what it says. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone who has been given much of him, much will be required. And for him to whom much has been entrusted, much will be demanded. What that's saying in a nutshell is that when God has honored you and blessed you, He's expecting more out of you. Folks, I, I saw this week's statistics. Church, there is more churches in America per capita than anywhere else in the world, bar none. I mean, it's like America, the world. Folks, there's 894 churches in Ruston alone. You could be mad at one church and go to another one every week for 50 years and never go to the same church. There are more resources in America versus the rest of the world. It's like this. If you need a Bible, we can get you three Bibles before you leave here. There's places in the world people don't have access to a Bible. There's more Christian universities and schools in America versus anywhere else in the world like this. Resources. You can get online today and you can listen to 50 sermons, watch 50 services. 
I mean, you got resources, 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 and that's wonderful. But I'm just telling you, God is going to hold us more accountable because of the, are you following me? James 3.1 is a scary passage. It says, not many of you should become teachers. For you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I want to give you two, two thoughts quickly. For those of you who might be here who are preachers or ministers or who might be watching online, you church members, you'll like what I'm fixing to say. I, I believe preachers and ministers are held to a higher standard. I, I believe Sunday school teachers, anybody that's opened the Bible and teaching, God's going to hold you to a higher standard. But, but I, I live with this. I know that God is, is going to demand more from me at the judgment than he is for many of you because of the position that he has entrusted me with. God is holding me more accountable. He's holding Josh more accountable. He's holding our ministers, Mary, more accountable. He's holding us to a higher standard. That's scary, guys, isn't it? But I want to tell you as a church member, in the Bible Belt in the South, God's holding you to a high standard. God's holding you to a high standard. Listen, God, God's going to want to know why I didn't preach the truth, why we didn't love you more or take care of you better, why, why we were people pleasers instead of God pleasers. That's, that's coming for us. God may, God may ask you someday, why weren't you a better church member? Why weren't you more supportive? And, and if you're visiting today, are watching from afar. Our church is in a great spot. We, we really are. Man, God's blessing us. We're happy. We're healthy. We don't have any problems that I know of. We have 2,500 members, so someone is always mad, okay? Does that make sense? You get 2,500 people, somebody's mad about something, but I don't know it. It's not a problem until 2,000 out of 2,500 are mad. We're, we're, in a, we're in a great spot. So I'm not, I'm not talking about anything here. I'm throwing out the generic here. Church member, what kind of church member are you? I have a lot of pastor friends. I had a friend tell me several years ago, he went to pastor a church. After two years, they were mad at him, and they told him, we fired the guy before you, we fired the guys before him and him, and we'll fire you if you don't get in line with what we want. Wow. I bet they didn't tell him that when they were hiring him. You see, church member, God's going to hold you to a high standard. He holds us to a high standard, how we love and take care of you. Are, are you supportive of your church and of your ministers? Are you causing the kingdom of God to grow? Are you, you keeping it in line and in check? Let the devil keep up with that. He does a good job of that. You help it expand and grow. You see, this is a fearful thing. It's something we can correct but God's going to hold us accountable for how we've lived and what we've said and what we've done. And here's the last part of this judgment. We will be assigned a place in, in heaven or hell for eternity. That's the last part of the judgment. How's that flesh out if you're a Christian? If you're a Christian, you know what? You're going to heaven. You settled that when you were saved. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? No, I'd rather not. I don't know. Yes, it's wonderful. If you're not a Christian right now, you can fix that, but you're on a trajectory if you don't repent of spending eternity separated from God. Wall Street Journal, it's considered a conservative newspaper. September 15th, a few weeks ago, there was a, a big article titled, What Should We Believe About Hell? And the, and the writer said 
if you accept the Bible, the Bible clearly teaches that there is a hell. But he goes back and he backtracks and he goes, but should we accept the Bible? <laughs> In other words, probably not. Now, here's my, my academic grasp of this. Jesus, Bible, Wall Street Journal writer, I'm going with Jesus and the Bible. Would you agree? Revelation 20:15 at the end of the Bible says, For whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, that's the ultimate end of judgment. So the question for you and me right now is how will your judgment day go? You see, the, 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 the great thing about God's love is it's personal, it's intimate, it's got your name written on it. And the scary thing is your judgment is personal and intimate. You're not going to have a lawyer. You're not going to have a defense team. You're not going to be able to claim who your mom and daddy are. A lot of us have spent our lives rationalizing, excusing, making excuses. We stand before God. All that's going to be pushed away, and we're going to stand before God, and we're going to have to give a clear account for our life. It's interesting. The word judgment, the Greek word judgment, if you transliterated that, that literally means taking a Letter by letter, taking it from the Greek to the English, you, you get the English word crisis. Crisis. And, and folks, the judgment's a crisis. You get to decide if it's a crisis right now or if it's a crisis when you die. You see, if you're a Christian, you've settled the greatest part of that judgment. Some of you are saying, you know what, I'm a Christian, but man, my life, I'm away from God. I got sin backed up for 10 miles. What do I do? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 10, 17, I'm paraphrasing, it basically says, your sins and lawless acts God will remember no more. Now, hear what I'm fixing to say. I want to go before God, and I don't want to have to answer for a bunch of junk. I got saved. All that's gone. And everything, as I live day to day, you live day to day, you confess your sins, you try to stay close to God. You know what? You're not going to answer for those sins you've confessed and turned from. Isn't that wonderful? Your judgment can be a great experience, not a horrifying experience, but the only one that's got control of that story The only one that's got control of that narrative is you. You're at a crisis. Will you make the right decisions this morning? Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I pray that you will will repent today. You'll come back to God. And you'll put your life on a positive path if that's what needs to happen. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure, I want you to pray with me. If you're ready and you're sincere, just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son. And that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're at our crisis time. You're at yours.
when we stand in just a moment, I want to encourage you. If you just ask Christ in your heart and you're ready to, you come today and give your life to Christ. You want to catch me or one of the ministers after church, I'll be at this door. But don't leave the building today without crossing that line with Jesus. you got a chance today you may never have again. You want to join the church? We'd love for you to. You want a happy and healthy church? That's what we're trying to be. You can do that after church or you can come right now. But do that. Some of you as Christians, it's time to get right with God, to get things back the way they need to be. You've got the opportunity to do so. Where you're standing at the altar, Christian, get things the way they need to be in your life in the right direction so you can face that judgment in a positive heart and way. Let's stand. You respond now as God leads you. We'll be waiting on you.